You're the wind beneath my wings Sweet Jesus You're my melody and harmony Sweet Jesus You're the eyes that I see through Sweet Jesus Yes, I'm dancing to your tune Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for qualifying us today. We thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you that you won our hearts when you gave us Jesus, just to bring us back to you. We thank you for not just bringing us back, but for restoring us for taking us to the place of royalty and priesthood. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that is actively working in us. And that very power that raised up Christ from the dead is actively working in us. We thank you for healing us. We thank you for provision, for protection. We thank you for sustenance. We thank you for direction. We thank you for your influence in our life. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Uh, we do not take for granted the gift of life and the opportunity to share fellowship again in this work. And all too soon, tonight is the final episode of For Your Safety and the remix version of In the Garden, the part two. <laughs> so this is more of a chat in the wilderness part two, which is a secret in the garden at the same time. The remix version, so anyhow you want to put it. But we are just continuing our study on a chat in the wilderness. We read from Luke chapter 4. The same story is in Matthew chapter 4, but so you can, the only difference is the order of the second and the third temptation. In Matthew, what was the second temptation? In Luke, he made the third temptation. And hopefully, we'll do a series on some things to note about the Bible, then we'll see if we can peruse these things. So let's read from Luke chapter 4. We'll just be and Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And when he had ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou art the Son of God, command this stone that he may be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain, showing him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this power I will give thee, and the glory of them, if that is delivered unto me, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I would give it to, if thou would worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God, and him only shall thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou art the Son of God, cast thyself down. Then, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee, and in thy hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended the temptation, he departed from him 
for another season. So we are doing a comparison between a chat and a conversation that happened in the wilderness, comparing it to the conversation that happened in the garden. One was between the serpent and the first Adam. And this one is between the second Adam and the tempter. And last week we looked about it and we are continuing. Today we are looking at the actual conversation that happened. And we ended off by stating that the first agenda, when the devil comes in the scene, we said that he's a very rude being. He doesn't have time for pleasantries, time for introductions. He just goes straight to agenda. And his first agenda is to attack the word of God concerning your life. So whenever you go to church, whenever you read your Bible, whenever you have a word from the Lord, you can be 100% sure that the next season you are entering into is going to be a season of battle. And even in Matthew chapter 13, talk about the parable of the weeds and the tears. When a man went to sow good seeds, the Bible said, and when they left and men slept, they will crook him to sow his things. So now we know that this scripture preceded the baptism of Jesus. And in that baptism, one of the main things that happened was the identification of Christ or the identification of Jesus as the Christ. Now, if you look into baptism, the main purpose of the baptism of John was a means to identify who the Christ was. That's in John. It goes according to John, but we are not looking at it. But just to let you know, the reason why John came baptizing was with water was because it was an instruction on a way to know who the Christ was. Because he knew that something unusual will happen when he baptizes the Christ. But that's not our study for tonight. And you know, when that happened, the voice spoke. And the only thing the voice said that, you are my beloved son and I'm pleased with you. That's what the voice came to say. <laughs> Thou art my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We are against it. So that's what we are familiar with. And now we go to the next verse or the next chapter. And the first thing we see when this devil came was that he said, if you are the son of God, the word was you are my son. And you are not just a son I'm angry with. You are not a son who I am monitoring or I'm testing. You are not a son who has been on my bad side, but you are a son I am well pleased with. And the devil had no other thing to challenge, but to challenge the word of God. And he said, if indeed you are the son. And that was the same thing he did to me. He said, did God really say? And we looked at it in the lights of what we were doing in the garden, where we stated that the first agenda of the devil is to try and throw seeds of doubt into your heart. So to Eve was, did God really say? And to Jesus, he said, are you really the son of God? <laughs> are you really God's poema? Are you really forgiven? Are you really healed? Are you really blessed? Are you really a child of God? Are you really born again? Now you see that the funny thoughts have been going through your mind. Are you sure you are born again? Are you sure you have really changed this time? Are you sure you are not going back to your ex? Are you sure of what God has said about you? And his main agenda is to attack the word of God concerning your life. And the mistake he made was that he engaged the devil with their own terms. But Jesus immediately engaged the devil with the word of God. It is written. It is written. And you see, this is what many of us are doing. We try to rationalize when the devil gives us suggestions. That is why, I remember I've said this before, at a point in your time in your life, you were so sure that something was wrong. You were so sure that sex before marriage was wrong. Like, it was something that you could debate about. But then you realize that after some few years down the line, oh, you are in love with him, you are in love with him. 
oh, you be mine, oh, she's somebody that I want to marry. But now the devil begins to come and tell her, are you sure? After all, you are forgiven. After all, he start to give you wonderful, sweet, rational thoughts. And that's what he made. And that is why we are studying the past question with the Martin scheme on how to overcome the schemes of the devil. Are you really the son of God? Yes, I am. And now for this one, he added a little bit extra touch. And he didn't just say, if you are the son of God, he went on to say, if you are the son of God, prove it by doing something. Prove it by turning these stones into bread. And that's the next arsenal that the devil throws at us. If you are really this, do something to prove. And we realized we studied, I think, in the parable of the loving father, that when God told Jesus at the baptism that thou art my beloved son, a woman who appeared, Jesus was living a normal life as a <laughs> in his hometown. He hadn't preached to anybody like publicly. He hadn't done any miracle. All the things he was doing were in the house. He was doing his carpentry business, going up and down, fixing doors, fixing doors and the rest. So his identity and him pleasing the father was not dependent on what he did, but dependent on who he was. But the devil always likes to let us prove who we really are. He likes to challenge us. And now the thing he does is that he causes us to change the purpose by which God had created things. If the devil really cared about the situation of Jesus, when he was coming to the wilderness, he could have stopped by the market of Galilee or Nazareth or Bethlehem and bought him a wonderful loaf of bread and water and said, brother, I heard you have been fasting. You need to take some water and take some bread and let's discuss. But it clearly tells you that the agenda of the enemy was not for the good of Jesus, but it was for him to change the purpose of why God created a stone as a stone. The devil doesn't care about you with that. So when the devil is giving you funny ideas, after all, your boss is cheating you. After all, your clients are outsmarting you. They are being dishonest. After all, you are going to marry him or her. Why don't you just go through with it? So at the beginning, you may look like he's thinking about your good. But trust me, if he wanted to do your good, he could have done it in a better way. <laughs> so if the devil really cared about just this state of hunger, he could have bought him food at the market. He could have prepared some wonderful fufu or mutu and soup. Those days, I don't know what they're eating, but at least we know they're eating bread and fish. <laughs> could have added some wine to it. And you see, that's what he makes us do. Or that's what he makes us think. He makes us think that he is for our good. After all, how sure are you that compatible with this sister or with this brother? But he's lying to you. And that is what you should be able to recognize. And he causes us to change the purpose of things. Now, when he came, he made Jesus or he suggested to Jesus that he should turn these stones into bread. So that the purpose of the stone is no longer the stone. And he made the stomach of Jesus the center of the situation. And that is what he always does. The devil always makes our cravings, our desires, the center to which he's going to exploit. That is why James tells us that each man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. So he knows your lust, he knows your cravings, he knows your desires. And that is the point that he attacks you. He knew at that instant that this man needed him. So he gave him an option of turning the purpose of something into something. And at this point, the focus becomes ourselves. You are just thinking about yourself. That is why you are doing some things you are doing. Many people have been in very privileged position, but they messed it up. 
because of that that opportunity has been taken away so let's say maybe you are in a you work in an organization where maybe your boss or your employer has a a kind of training program or a mentorship program where maybe he mentors people so that he gives them opportunity but somebody may come and tell ah this man look at the car he's driving he has been mentoring you with math he's not doing anything he doesn't even give you lorry fare he doesn't even give you transportation sometimes he doesn't really care about you and you begin to abuse the opportunity and what you do is that you become ungrateful and you cause hex now from that action that one person did or one person does that person can decide to seize or to block or to stop that mentoring program and that is going to block the opportunity of several other people and that is the same thing adam did adam was just thinking about himself if adam knew the ripple effect of or let me say the first adam because this is also called adam but if the first adam knew the ripple effect of his decision he would have thought twice about disobeying god the devil causes us to be selfish forgetting that our decisions don't only affect ourselves but generations to come and lives connected to yours and that is why many people are born and they are born into unnecessary fights because of the complications their parents have found themselves in so many people have to battle with inferiority complex many people have to battle with the effect of a broken home many people have to battle with the effects of not having to be born in a stable family because the people at a point in time or their parents at a point in time they're only thinking about satisfying their cravings when the devil told them after all you have to test plenty waters to know which one you really like how do you know you like slim things <laughs> how do you know you like this particular woman or this particular guy you must test the waters so in their mind they are proving something and they are changing the purpose of sex to mere pleasure and not the intended purpose for which God made it to bring a certain uniqueness of intimacy between a man and a woman and now sex has just become sex nothing more abuse the purpose of it and now the effect of it is that children are born out of unstable situations and that is what Adam did to us when he decided to eat that fruit little did you know that all the human generation that was locked up in his loins were going to suffer for the consequences of his decisions and same to you many people are battling so called ancestral curses and generational curses and all those things because some years ago people made certain decisions that released a curse in the bloodline and these things are real but any man who is in Christ is a new creation but there are many we born with certain battles just because of certain decisions people are taking your life is not just about yourself that's the first part of the conversation now the second part as i said at the beginning in the matthew the jerusalem one was brought before the bowing down and i'll give you all the kingdom so let's just use the matthew order that is and satan took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said If thou art the son of God cast thyself down for it is written he shall give his angels charge over thee and i like this devil <laughs> when he realized that Jesus had changed the gear to it is written gear he to said okay that it is written that we all we know it is written so he came you are using it is written so me to it is written in the psalms that he will give his angels charge over you lest your foot dash against a stone 
So throw yourself down. And that's the next lie that the devil tries to give to us. So when he comes and he begins to throw seeds of doubt, and you realize that you begin to go like, oh, the Bible says is this, or God's will is this, or God's will is that, he now begins to misappropriate scriptures to you. That is why it is important that as a believer, you should know how to rightly divide the word of truth. That is why the Holy Spirit is called our guide, because he will guide you into all truth. Truth is only truth when it is guided, when it is ordered in your life. That is why it is interesting to know that many of the wonderful things people are doing, they have scripture references for it. I'm yet to come across <laughs> a, a sin or something that is clearly outside the will of God that they have not had some scripture somewhere to buttress their points. So many people are using the letter of the word to defend their actions. And that's what the devil does for us. He uses the letter of the word. And if you are somebody who doesn't have an active relationship with the Holy Spirit, for him to clearly tell you, you would miss it out. That is why it is not negotiable to have an active relationship with the devil. Because just having a theoretical knowledge of the word of God is not an enough arsenal to combat the schemes and the lies of the devil. He's going to make you do some things to prove certain promises. And a classical example can be seen in Joseph. He knew that Joseph knew because of the dreams that he had had, that he was supposed to be great. But thank God that Joseph didn't just know the end, but he knew the process to get to the end. It is not just the end that matters, but the way or the means to the ends also matters with God. So even though sleeping with Potiphar's wife, you could have become a had a side guy. But because he knew that it's not just getting to the top. And the interesting thing is that the plan that God had for him was even bigger than what he was going to negotiate for. And that is where most of us miss it. Because after he suffered two years in prison, and he came out, he came out to become Potiphar's wife's boss. And Potiphar himself, he became his boss because now he became the prime minister of Egypt and of Pharaoh. So he would have settled for Potiphar's wife's side guy, not knowing that God had intended for him to be the second in command in the whole of Egypt. That is why you rob yourself whenever you settle for other options that God has not given to you. Well, at a point in time, it will look like good. When that offer comes that Charlie, you have been searching for a job, just sleep with the manager of this company, Charlie, is quick. Or just compromise on certain standards. Maybe you're in the construction business and your boss tells you that Charlie, this this beam or this bag of cement or this project, it is this amount of cost. But let's say it at this amount of cost. It is true that when you stand up to your boss, you will suffer two years in prison. But when you come out, you will come up as your boss's boss. And that is why we always say it pays to believe God. It pays to rely on God. And it pays to choose God's way of doing things. So Joseph would have messed it up if he settled for Potiphar's wife's side guy when God had destined for him to be the second in command. So it is not just for you to know what is written. It is not just for you to know that God has made your life glorious or God has made your life beautiful and all those fantastic scriptures. And you know, sometimes you hear ladies saying that, oh, as for me, I want to have a good home. I want to have a good family. I want to keep my man. But the way you get a man and keeping a man is not by, or you don't do that by getting a man to impregnate you outside of marriage. I don't know who has been teaching us this strategy of seizing men. So many ladies, when they find a guy who they think is good for them, 
and they want to lock the guy down or hold him down or however <laughs> then you will become to the death pregnant for the guy knowing that oh he's a good guy so he won't make me abort the baby or he would be forced or be coerced into staying with me but that is not God's way of getting a man that is not God's way and the earlier you realize it the better for you because you'll be settling for Potiphar's wife's side guy when the dream is to be the prime minister of Egypt so you would have been the Boris Johnson of our time if you're in England (laughs) But that is the plan that God has for you. And unfortunately for Adam and Eve, they missed out on it. They thought that God was keeping something from them. It's true that God, if what is special about, about this tree, that you have given me all this tree, this tree, why you don't want to give it to me? That means there must be something special. And we rob ourselves when we think that God is withholding something good from you. Because you look around and that people are having certain things you also wanted. And you, look, you also deserve a car. Oh. You deserve it, beloved. You deserve to. <laughs> Somebody says that. Do you wake up to "I love you, babe" or you wake up to "battery fully charged, hundred <laughs> percent"? But you see, God doesn't just have a beautiful end, but He has a pathway that you should choose to get you to that end. So you don't need to jump down, sweetheart. You don't need to jump down to enjoy angelic assistance right from the pinnacle of the temple. Angels have been keeping charge over you. You don't need to cut in corners. And sometimes we cut in corners and we expect God to bless our corners that we have cut. But God can protect you and God has been protecting you. You may not be in a job or in a situation you want to do, but God has been providing for you. You may look at people and they seem to have better opportunities. What to fail to realize is that God is ordering the events of your life. The last conversation is what I love so much. And he said that in a moment of time, Satan showed him the kingdoms of the world. Wow. The kingdoms of the world. That's something important. What are the kingdoms of the world? <laughs> But he showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, all this power I will give thee and the glory of them. Ah, not just the power but the glory of them for that it has been delivered to me and to whomsoever I would give it to wow what a succulent temptation all he's saying is that bow down to me and yet again it's the same thing because God had destined that everything would be Jesus including Satan himself because he would be put under his foot until he would be crushed by the foot of Jesus But Satan is giving you something later that you I'll give you all the glory. Just that let me be your boss. But God he wants you to be your boss's boss. And it's interesting. So indirectly, it's still for me. And that's what many of us we don't realize. That the supposed blessing that the devil is going to give you, the supposed good thing that the devil is going to give you, is not even for you. He still owns you. That is why it is not worth it taking an opportunity outside the will, even opportunity good outside the will of God. Because with a myopic view, you think you own these things, forgetting that you yourself are being owned by somebody. You yourself have become a slave to somebody. So in your quest to become a king and the ruler of the kingdoms of the world, you have made yourself a slave to the devil. And it's interesting also to know that it tells us that 
What the devil is really interested in is not in the things of this world. I think I've said this before. The devil is not going to marry, so he doesn't need your spouse. I don't know if you ever have seen a wedding invite from the devil before. <laughs> wedding bells, Satan marries Satan. Wow. <laughs> I'm yet to see. So if the devil is not interested in getting married, why is he fighting our marriages? If the devil doesn't pick a car, I don't think where the devil goes to work in tempting people, he picks a Rolls Royce presidential edition 1998 model, <laughs> or he picks a Bentley, or he picks a Ferrari. So if he doesn't need all these things, why is he giving, why is he harassing them? The devil doesn't need a kidney, he doesn't need your lungs, he doesn't need your intestines, he doesn't need any organ in your body. But why is he fighting us with sickness? Is because he wants your faith. And that is what he's interested in. The devil doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your family. He doesn't need your children. He doesn't need your health. What he needs is your faith. And he's willing to trade it up quickly just to have your faith not in God. Just to prove that God is a liar. So the whole aim of the devil is to present God as a liar. That God said he's going to bless you. Tell him he can't bless you. So he went to Joseph. Like me, but I cannot roar. <laughs> that Joseph, you had a dream oh, that the sun and the moon and the stars are going to bow to you. Now, scab. <laughs> God was scabbing you. <laughs> Let me give you to you in another way. And moreover, what he was even presenting was not what God was presenting. Because the dream, as I said, is not to be Potiphar's side guy, but the dream is to be Potiphar's boss. But the devil is willing to trade up all the kingdoms and his glory and power just because of your faith. And that is what you should realize, that your faith is the most important asset about your life. Your faith is the most important asset about your life because every other decision you would take would revolve around your faith. That is why the movies I watch are the me by the faith I have. That is why I don't watch something. I don't listen to some things. I don't engage in some conversations. I don't have certain friends. I don't use certain methods. All is because of my faith. So my faith, I am my faith and my faith is me. But many of us, our faith is our last thing. In fact, we will quickly exchange our faith for every other thing, forgetting that the most important thing about you is your faith. So I pray for us all that whenever we are presented with the opportunity to bow down in exchange, may be bold enough. And look at Jesus' response. This one, he didn't say for it is written. <laughs> Jesus said, get deep behind me. I like it before, okay, he said it is written too. Before they said, get deep behind me. You must learn to put the devil behind you and let Jesus be the focus of your life. You must learn to look up to him who hangs on the cross. He was willing to treat everything up just for your sake. When you have him at your focus, you would be able to make the right choices. A chance in the wilderness. Now, even as we conclude, in the garden, we realize that everything was messed up because of Adam's decision. And I explained the consequences of it in the garden. That Adam went to hide, he went to cover himself, he was running away from God, everything. And the most or the most significant of the effects is that death was introduced into humanity. And by death, I'm not just talking about 
the cessation of biological life, but I'm talking about the separation of life. When light and life steps out of an environment, automatically darkness and death comes in. So this was what the first Adam did. But thank God for the second Adam. And I always say this, God never takes anybody to hell. God doesn't threaten us with hell that, hey, if you don't live for me, I will take you to hell. That is no God. But Adam's decision sentenced the entire human race to hell. So the day you were born of a man and a woman, you were predestined to hell. But thank God for Jesus, ah, who gave us an escape route. So the Bible says in Romans 6, verse 32, that for the wages of sin is death. The salary you get when you engage in the company called sin is death. But the gift of God, ah, look at the two. The devil is a wicked person. For even the death to go is not even a gift to it. <laughs> you have to work for it. Hey, hello. <laughs> so the wages of sin. Let me see something you work. You must be employed in a company of sin before you receive your reward or death. But the Bible says the gift of God. A gift is something you do not work for. Immediately you work for it, it's no longer a gift. So if your mother tells you that, hey, if you are the first in class, I will buy you ice cream. The ice cream your mother will get for you is no longer a gift. But if your mom or your dad steps out and you come back, it's then, oh, I know you like kebab. So when I'm coming back, I just bought you a kebab. Or it's your birthday. I know I've been wanting to have a bicycle. When we were younger, it's bicycles we wanted for gifts. Now we discuss that we want for gifts. <laughs> Levels have changed. But if your mom just says that, oh, I had now you're a big girl. You have finished medical school, you have finished law, you have finished economics, whatever course you need. They say, now I think you deserve a car. It's called the gift of your father. So whereas in sin, we have to labor in the industry or the company of sin. But God presents us with a gift. And the name of the gift is eternal life. The first Adam's disobedience plunged the whole entire human race into death. But the second Adam's obedience has given us an opportunity to escape death. Romans 5, and let's look at that scripture. I like the way Paul puts it. It says that if by one man's trespass, let me let me know, go ahead of myself. Romans 5, the verse number 17 is a very powerful scripture. It says that for if by one man's offense, so let, I'll be using the first Adam and the last Adam, for if by the first man's offense, death reigned by one. How much more they who have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you shall reign in life by one kind Jesus, in this case, the second Adam, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. You remember I said that it's not as if God is taking you to hell because of something you have done. But because of what Adam did, we have all we have all been sentenced to judgment. And for this judgment, the verdict has already been declared. So before you enter the law court, your case has already been declared. And your case has been declared condemned to death. <laughs> Life imprisonment. That was our judgment that was waiting for us. So we feel that, um, therefore, as by the offense of the first Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of the last Adam, the free gift 
came upon all men unto justification of life. Ah, it's so sweet. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, many shall be made. Look at the difference too. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now the question is, how do we become righteous? I know many people have argued with the point that if I didn't have to choose to enjoy, enjoy in quotes, the consequence of Adam's actions, why do I have to choose to accept the consequences of Jesus' action? Now, there's, there's an explanation to that, and or there's an answer, even in the Bible. I'll teach on it. Let me just give you a hint. You can go and study about the cities of refuge. The cities of refuge. It's the typology of it. And hopefully when you are doing the Bible, you look at this word, you have a typology. Shadows, we will look into all those things. But the issue is this. How come we inherited the nature of Adam? It's because we are born or we all came out of Adam. So it is true the natural birth or it is true being born of a man and a woman that qualified us to, in quote, enjoy the consequences of Adam's actions or Adam's disobedience. So also it is true birth that we will enjoy the consequences of the last Adam's obedience. That is why Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again. So just as it was being birth that qualified you for the first Adam, it is also true another birth that will qualify you for the second Adam. And you see, many of us, we ask this question, I said the totality of the answer is actually in the cities of refuge when you study into it. But many who ask this question with the idea that it is God that is against that, like as if God intentionally made it in such a situation that we would have to go out of our way, if I should say, to choose him. Yet, because we didn't go out of our way to become Adam's descendants, we were just born, and we were born into that we are a sinner. We were like, ah, I just came. So many of us are seeing God as the enemy, as though he's the one trying to give us some restrictions, forgetting that it was God who is rather saving you. So it's like, maybe you were in a car, God forbid, or somebody's in a car, and a person gets an accident, and maybe on a bridge, and you entered into a water, and somebody's coming to save you. And all that you need is that to stretch your hand, or the person has stretched his hand. All that you need is to stretch forth your hand and accept the person's help. And now you are angry at the person. That why must I stretch forth my hand and accept your help? When I was drowning, <laughs> why didn't you make me, why didn't you prevent me from drowning? It is your action. It's the actions of Adam. Adam's choice. And fortunately or unfortunately, as I said earlier on, people's choices affect lives connected to them. It's something that is there. So God is not the enemy here. God is not the one trying to bamboozle us with, with Jesus Christ. But he, his father stretching forth a life jacket to rescue us from drowning. And the name of the life jacket is Jesus Christ. So in first John, he says, the first John 5, that this is the testimony of God that he has given us eternal life. He has given us the life jacket. He has given us, he has stretched forth his hand to deliver us from permanent death, to deliver us from the wages of the company of sin. He is stretching forth his hand. 
and he's saying that this life is in his son Jesus Christ. This life is in the last Adam. And whosoever has the son has life. And whosoever does not have the son does not have eternal life. God is the one helping us here. So stop being arrogant. You were drowning in sin. You were drowning head heading towards the final condemnation. And Jesus, out of great love for us, he jumped into the water. He could have sat in his BMW and said, oh, that little boy is drowning. Let him drown. <laughs> But this rich man called God stepped out of his Bentley, antique Bentley, <laughs> removed his suits and jumped in the water just to save us. Stop being angry at God, sweetheart, and accept his gift. That is packaged in the person of Jesus Christ. And the gift is eternal life. So even as we bring this episode to an end, again, God wants to ask you, would you accept his outstretched arm? Would you accept his gift of eternal life? Would you accept his abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness? Who do you want to be your father? The first Adam or the last Adam? I want us to spend some time, even as we thank God, For as many as have expressed faith in Jesus Christ, if you have not accepted the help of God, I want you to close your eyes and tell God that with my heart, I believe that I was drowning. I was heading towards condemnation. But I believe in Jesus that you have sent him to deliver me from sin and its effects. I accept your help. I accept your gift. And with my mouth, I boldly declare that Jesus is my helper, my savior, my redeemer, and my life. And for those of us who are already members of the family of God, we want to thank God for this gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, ah, it qualifies the gift. Every gift is free, but it is just showing the generosity of the Father. The free gift is eternal life. For if by one man's trespass, sin reigned or death reigned, how much more we who have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Father, we thank you for the escape route. We thank you that when we were enemies of thee, when we were drowning in sin, when we were slaves in the company of sin, when we were laborers in the company of sin, and when we were receiving our wage of death, you looked upon us through the eyes of love, and you said that I'm coming after you. You stepped out of eternity. You laid aside your majesty, and you willfully subjected yourself to also work or to partake of the same nature of us just to make us escape from condemnation. We thank you. You have won our hearts, Lord. You have won our hearts, Lord. You have won our hearts. And the only thing that we can give in exchange as a genuine appreciation is to give you our life. Because you died our death that we may live your life. Thank you for the gift of salvation in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Wow. wow. Don't be in a hurry to off the podcast. Just spend some time and thank God for the gift of salvation. 
but delivering us from the consequence of the first Adam. Father, we thank you. What manner of love is this? We thank you so much. So on this solemn and reflective mood, we thank you all for being with us. And as I said last week, we are getting close to our one-year anniversary. <laughs> one year of discussing, of having conversations with God through the pages of Scripture, even as it helps us to renew our mind. You can share any testimony with us, any contribution on our Telegram channel, The Household of the Father. I know some of us listen to um, other podcast platforms. If it's possible for you to join us on the Telegram channel so that you can share your testimony, share your comments, share anything you have with us. And let us know, even as we invite other people, because we are believing God for grace. That as long as we are in this tabernacle, we will keep preaching this word, we will keep discussing his word, and we keep renewing our mind till we see him face to face. Remember to give God your very best because he gave you his best. And make sure that this week and beyond, you owe no man nothing but love. See you next week, even as we start a very short series. I think this will be our shortest series here. Before we launch into our anniversary mood series. See you next week and bye-bye. Bye.